refugees, but also many of their resolutely 19th century modern ideas as well. Few, if any, of these ideas have proven more pernicious than those of the so-called Frankfurt School and its reactionary philosophy of critical theory. At once overly intellectualized and emotionally juvenile, critical theory, like Pandora's box, released a horde of demons into the American psyche. When everything could be questioned, nothing could be real, and the muscular, confident empiricism that had just won the war gave way in less than a generation to a fashionable Central European nihilism that was celebrated on college campuses across the United States. Seizing the high ground of academe and the arts, the new nihilists set about dissolving the bedrock of the country, from patriotism to marriage to the family to military service. They have sown, as Cardinal Bergoglio, now Pope Francis, has written of Satan, who will play a large role in our story, destruction, division, hatred, and calumny, and all disguised as a search for truth that will lead to human happiness here on earth. Of course, what has resulted is something far from that. Were any of the originators of critical theory still among us, they might well say, quoting Sir Christopher Wren, Si monumentum requiris circumspice. Look about your daily lives here in the early 21st century America and Western Europe and see the shabbiness, hear the coarseness of speech and dialogue, witness the lowered standards not only of personal behavior but also of cultural norms, savor the shrunken horizons of the future. The Frankfurt School sucker-punched American culture right in its weak solar plexus. Americans have always been sympathetic to an alternative point of view, sympathetic to the underdog, solicitous of strangers, especially foreign refugees fleeing a monster like Hitler. Largely innocent of the European battles over various forms of socialism, and softened up to a certain extent by the Roosevelt administration's early frank admiration of Mussolini as it tried to solve the economic crisis of the Depression, the American public was open to self-criticism. The problem with the Frankfurt School scholars was that they arrived with ideological blinders, men of the left fighting other men of the left back in the old Heimat, and were unable to see that there was another different world welcoming them in the United States if only they would open their eyes. How, for example, could they hate California? They appear not so much scholarly as simple, viewing American capitalism as a vast, deliberate conspiracy against their own socialist ideas, when in fact their ideas were simply wrong, their analysis flawed, and their animus ineradicable. They were creatures of their own time and place, with no more claim to absolute truth than the man on a soapbox in Speaker's Corner in Hyde Park, or the lunatic staggering down Market Street in San Francisco talking to himself. Everybody's got a beef. One thing they did get right, though. Popular culture lay at the heart of the American experience. It was hugely influential in a way that surpassed the understanding of European academics. Without official sanction, it spoke for the people in a way that state-sponsored socialist realist art never could. They knew pop culture was potent, very potent, but they had no idea how to create more of it or control it. They were so obsessed with their crude and unsophisticated Marxism, so devoted to their paradigm of the class struggle, that they worried about pop culture's destructive top-down effect on the gullible proletariat and viewed Hollywood and the mass media as, naturally, a capitalist plot to seduce the rubes. Seduction, they believed, was their socialist birthright, not capitalism's. 
They desired self-improving, consciousness-raising art to be a matter for the state, and they disdained the profit motive, though they certainly had no objection to making money. But their successors had no such quibbles with mass culture. They grasped that the long march through the institutions, as the Marxists characterized it, would be the ticket to ideological hegemony and even greater wealth, evolution, not revolution. This is a book about how we got here. It's also a book about good and evil, about creation and destruction, about capitalism and socialism, about God, Satan, and the satanic in men, about myths and legends and the truths within them, about culture versus politics, about the difference between story and plot. It is about Milton versus Marx, the United States versus Germany, about redemptive truth versus Mephistotelian bands of illusion and the devil's jokes. It concerns itself with the interrelation of culture, religion, sex, and politics. In other words, something herein to offend nearly everyone.